Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, March 19th, 2023. Coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Another fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Justin Bourne of Sportsnet and author of the brand new book, Down and Back on Alcohol, Family and Life in Hockey, will be joining us. Looking forward to that. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me tonight is Mr. Chris Botta. Christopher Botta, how are you? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? And who's that voice? Who's the, the narrator in the beginning there? Who's doing the voiceover? Uh, that's, a, that's a fine gentleman that uh, we hired on the outside. You know? Very impressive. Yeah. yeah, not bad, right? I like it. I appreciate that every week. <laughs> he does a great job. So welcome to the show, everybody. Before we get started, I want to remind you all that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. New location, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. And, of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Also proud to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Located at 63 A 2nd Street in Mineola. And I want to let you all know we are hosting another viewing party. The next one coming up on Sunday, April 2nd. The Islanders will face off against the Carolina Hurricanes at 6 p.m. We'll have your pregame at 5 p.m. Going to do it the same way we always do. Raffles, prizes, lots of fun. Drink specials, food specials, all that good stuff. So come on down. Have a great time. Watch the Isles play the Canes at the tail end of the little playoff push here. So that'll be a lot of fun. And also proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. More on them later. So Chris Botta, like Fievel in American, American Tale, the Islanders wow. go west. That's a, that's a reference. <laughs> yeah, deep dive. Yeah, they go two and one. Uh, struggle in the beginning. They had that 5-2 loss against L.A. They bounce back the next night against the Ducks with the 6-3 win. And then they uh, take care of business last night in San Jose with the 4-1 win. So four out of six points. Not too shabby. How are we looking after that trip out west? Uh, you mentioned the race for the wild card spots. It's a race that's narrowing. I mean, sure a is. week or so ago, we were we were being generous by just cutting Detroit. Now we sit here a week later and... This isn't about like getting cocky or arrogant. I think it's just about being realistic. Sure. Um, Ottawa has gone by the wayside. Yeah. I, I believe I said something on last week, last week, like, let's see, let's wait for them to lose a game first. Right. Cause they were on a roll. Right. And now they haven't won since. Right. Uh, and then Buffalo is exposed themselves to be a, a complete fraud. Yeah. They're not ready once again for prime time. And you know, everybody will pick them to make the playoffs next year. Like it's like, as if it's like a done <laughs> right. deal. Right. Uh, I could say a lot about Buffalo and their cover and the way they're covered and what, people say about them mm. but sorry but i know this is an islander show but to me this past week is as much about the teams around them not just the ones who fell out like the ones i mentioned mm. but also the teams right right around them like pittsburgh uh like like florida who's playing very well so yeah. those are the that's the major storyline for me right now as for the islanders they took care of business it wound up going chalk i thought it might go the other way where maybe they would beat la and then lose to one of the uh, stinky teams i didn't to their credit anaheim had played very well prior to that game. They didn't look like it, I thought, against the Islanders, but they were something like 5-1-2 and two going into that. And I also give a lot of credit to the San Jose Sharks. I thought, you know, they played like a team that had nothing to lose. They yeah. played loose. They played wide open. It was a fun game to watch, so much so that I thought even when the Islanders went up after the second period, I thought 
San Jose could make a run, but the Islanders are showing their experience. They're showing their veteran leadership. They're having some key guys come through for them. Yeah. It's really impressive. And this is not what Ottawa got. This is not what Buffalo got. This is not what Washington's got. So, so the thing about the Islanders being more of a playoff team or experienced team, it is shining through right now. Yeah, no question. Like you said, the the teams on the list, so to speak, is kind of dwindled down to it's a three team race now. You I got the so. Penguins, Islanders, and the and the Florida Panthers. Uh, you have the Islanders at eighty points. You have Pittsburgh at seventy eight. You have Florida at seventy seven. Both Pittsburgh and Florida still have two games in hand on the Islanders. But as long as the Islanders kind of keep taking care of business like they are now, things should be all right. Now, the competition is going to get a little tougher. We'll talk about that a little later on. But there's a lot of positives to take out of this, this you know, West Coast swing because, you know, if they were going to lose a game on that trip, it was going to be the L.A. one just because, you know, they were tougher competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they actually started out pretty good in that game just to take a couple of notes out of these games. The penalties are what derailed that whole game. You had Matt Martin, who probably should have known better, tosses the helmet, gets the penalty, and it kind of just spirals the Islanders out after Zach Parisi kind of takes that accidental knee-on-knee penalty, and they just can't recover. They give up two goals you know, on the five-on-three, on the five-on-four, and it's pretty much over from there. They can't bounce back. You have a four-point night from Palmieri against the Ducks. He's looking great. Uh, Sorokin, I think first time all season, he gets the back-to-back starts, uh, performed pretty well against the Ducks. And then Saturday, you have the uh, J.G. Pajot with the shorthanded goal. Uh, Romanov had a good game. He has that hit, and he gets, you know, we talk about we talked about this multiple times now, right? You, a nice, big, clean hit, and he has to answer the bell because a guy, guy went down and got his clock clean, right? So maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, those notes in the games. We can go from there. Well, I mean, the, the Martin and Parisi thing, especially the Martin thing, it was just unfortunate. It might have been a game they lost anyway, and Matt Martin has uh, uh, got so much goodwill with this friend. Franchise right. and a career. Right. This is a guy who, and I can tell you, there's still people in and around the Islanders organization who, a long, long time ago, thought he was a depth player in the minors, and probably that's where he would peak. So to have this career, to be a special player, a really good Islander for a long time, if, if this is like the one moment. So we could live with that. Um, so four points out of six, not bad. You know, you mentioned Palmieri. He's a real standout for me. And then mm. there are the more obvious ones like Nelson, who's just continues to astound. A reminder, they're doing this without Matthew Barzal. So yes. all good signs. The, 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 what Ottawa doesn't have enough of, although we were told that Claude Giroux would be the answer to that. Mm. What Buffalo does not have enough of, despite what seems like endless uh, sonnets about Tage Thompson. It was a great player and a lot of other players there. They, mm. they stink. The Islanders' <laughs> steadiness, their experience, their leadership, yeah, all that corny crap, you know, right now is serving them very well. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I guess one one negative note from the San Jose game was Ajo, Sebastian Ajo got into about four and a half minutes of ice time and then he got injured. Upper body injury. Do we do we know that that's going to be anything beyond day to day? Yeah, no, I know. I have no. Right? No, I know. I mean, <laughs> I know that. Was, I, know. <laughs> I know that was more rhetorical yeah. than anything. Listen, the only thing I'll say that because I knew you it would it would come up was you know Pittsburgh traded for Kulikov and now it appears that I've lost him. This is a time of year mm-hmm. where teams lose guys. The Islanders obviously are missing Matthew Barzell. This is just part of it. It will. It's going to test their depth uh, coming in. Uh, to these final 11 games. But I think where we are now, because especially the way Pittsburgh's playing, and it's tough to see. I'm not – like they're going to hang in there, I would imagine. 
but to go to the garden and lose six nothing yeah you know buffalo yeah. lose Thank a you, seven nothing yeah yeah you gotta we gotta <laughs> acknowledge the rangers that appreciate yeah. that um but you know we're, you know what can you say that you're gonna lose guys uh but the Islanders have a chance here that like they don't even what what's cool about these final 11 games is they just kind of have to be themselves right now like six mm-hmm. wins will get you in and probably mm-hmm. less at this point so uh you, you, what they need to avoid is again some long streak they did they had the, the two losses but then right. they corrected with these two wins as long as they avoid that i think they should be in pretty good shape florida you know right now i would say you know islanders florida pittsburgh in that mm. order but okay we sh- but we shall i just I don't see enough of pittsburgh i don't see enough good in pittsburgh that makes me think they're going to be able to finish this off no i listen i hear you but it is funny because it seems like you know what the last two to three weeks However, you know, whenever we kind of started like really looking at this race, it seems like every week the contenders have changed. You know, one week I'm saying, oh, I'm a little scared of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you just covered that. They're mm-hmm. done. Uh, another week, Ottawa came up and they were winning some games. Oh, it looks like they're, they're, you know, they're in the mix. And then even Detroit for a short bit a couple of weeks ago, yeah. right? And it's flip-flopped every week. And I, and I wonder what the conversation is going to be next week after we get through these couple of games and just see what these teams do. I didn't have a chance to look ahead to see who Florida and Pittsburgh are playing this week. But, you know, barring those results and, you know, the, the Islanders had that tough game against uh, Toronto on Tuesday at home coming up, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see. And it, and it may very well come down to the last game in, in April where we're all kind of uh, shaking in our boots wondering what's going to happen with it's, these games. Yeah, the concern about Pittsburgh is that I, I watch them and I see Crosby and I see Malkin and then even like some of their role players are some of the better ones in the league and guys that you would rely on. And then there's Gensel. He seems to be there for a big spot. But then, like, I watched them play on primetime against the Rangers in the guard in a game that was everything to them and not so much to the Islanders. And that's the same team that lost 6 nothing. So uh, defense is, is shoddy. Goaltending is uh, erratic. So, you know, mm. if the, the, key, the key is, like, when they do, if they get that signature win that somehow inspires them, you know, can they keep it going? But right now I don't see it. I'm not here. I'm not sitting here saying the Islanders in the playoffs by any stretch. I'm just saying if I'm ranking them right now, I'm thinking Islanders, Florida, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and real quickly before we go to break for Justin is you kind of alluded to this during, during the recap of the games is they're getting production through the lineup with Matt Barzell being out, right? You're seeing Brock Nelson's being Brock Nelson, but then you have Pajot coming back. It's like he missed no time. Right, right in the mix, he's got. He had four points on the trip, two goals, two assists. Zach Parise, two goals and an assist. Kyle Palmieri has a five-point trip. Hudson Fashion with a goal and assist. He's still kind of chugging away, right? Okay. And then you have the new guy, Pierre Engvall. Yeah, uh, unleashed, <laughs> unleashed on the New York Islanders. Five points in his last four, two goals, two assists on the trip, and that's actually now five total points through the seven games he's been with the Islanders. So you have these guys that are chipping in when guys like Bo Horvat isn't producing on the score sheet, and Matt Barzell not being in the lineup. Yeah, uh, Horvat's a, a funny one because the, the the goal numbers are not there, but he is doing everything else. And if you look at the numbers on the power play, if you excuse me, if you look at the numbers on the penalty kill, mm-hmm. especially, he's still doing his job. So I'm not concerned about him. But then all the other veterans are stepping up. Am I a believer in Engvall? No, I think I'm going to always be <laughs> okay. for a while. I, w- I want to see it for a longer stretch, but you know, he was brought here with a specific job, which was to see if he could be a part 
a cog in, in trying to get them into the playoffs. And overall, even though he has his, you know, dull moments that you mm-hmm. can tell the coach wonders about, yeah. he's doing his part. He is. He is. All right, folks. Well, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. And, of course, your favorite podcast providers later on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Justin Bourne of Sportsnet and author of Down and Back on Alcohol, Family, and Life in Hockey will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. And welcome back. It's Chris Botta joined by Sean Cuthbert. And now our guest is Justin Bourne, the author of Down and Back on Hockey, Alcoholism, and Family, and the NHL analyst of Sportsnet. How are you, Justin? What's going on, bud? I'm doing good, good, Chris. How are you guys? We're, we're just, just tuck the kids in. This is the best part of my weekend is Sunday at night when I put the toys away and they're asleep. Ah, well, <laughs> thanks for a few minutes of your time. I know eight o'clock is bath time around there. So, so I really, really appreciate that. Con- congrats on the book. But first off, we got to ask you about, I think we could call them your Islanders as well. Uh, what do you think about where things stand with them in the playoff race? Sean and I were just talking how we think it's down to now just the Islanders Pittsburgh and Florida for the two wild card spots. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean uh, they're in a pretty good spot. Uh, you know, the the two things that I really like about what's happening in terms of teams behind them is every time Pittsburgh seems to run up against a game that matters, they're not very good, which is encouraging. They're a minus three goal differential team. They're not. They're not. They're a flawed team. And Florida, for whatever reason, just after last season, doesn't have it this year. They don't have the juice. I know they have some good players. Um, I just, it feels like things started so poorly for them and they've been trying to dig out of this hole. Just not a huge believer in their decor. I, I really think the Islanders are, and I'm not just saying this because of their show, the strongest of the teams kind of in that pocket. And, you know, if anyone's going to make it hard on any sort of uh, top seed in either division, I, I mean, the Islanders got some veteran guys. They should be able to do it. That's what I was going to say. If you're Boston... If, of all the teams that you could play, or Carolina for that matter, uh, are you thinking that, you know what, I'll, we'll take on Bobrovsky and, and Florida's D, or we'll take on Pittsburgh with yeah. their holes, but that Islander team, even though Trotz isn't there, you know, they still have the potential. Are those are the Islanders probably the team that you would least want to face if you were one of the top ones? Yeah, I said this on our show on uh, Real Kipper and Born, you know, or Leaf Show, but we, we still talk about the races. And I, I said, like, the hardest team for any of those top seeds will be the Islanders, just based on two things. They got the best goalie, well, one of the best goalies in the league, if you like Vasilevsky more or whatever, but he's in that cat, uh, category of guys who can just steal you hockey games. 
And then they have a lot of veteran guys who do it the right way and say what you will about that. You know, they're in the right spots. They're hard on pucks. They do the right things. So if you're getting saves at one end and it's tough to go through the group, you know, if they get a bounce or two, it's, you know, they can beat anyone. And by the way, Carolina minus Svechnikov, I'm not 100% convinced they're that much of a favorite over the Islanders, you know, if, if they get in. So, um, yeah, Boston, I don't no, I don't think anyone's going to beat Boston. Islanders would make it hard, but I actually like the Isles odd if they, odds that they can finish in a top wild card spot and then get the, the winner of the Metro. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Sean here. Pleasure having you on the show. Um, just to follow up on this playoff race, uh, maybe to everybody's surprise a little bit here, the Islanders have found success without Matt Barzell in the lineup, going 8-3-1. and one. What do you think about this team has is, is kind of led to them coming together and maybe rallying around each other, I suppose, and being able to pull out these wins in a very crucial time in the season without arguably their best player on the team? You know, I think there can be like a small, like a short burst when you're minus one of your best offensive guys where everyone recognizes that you can't be passengers anymore and just watch someone else do it and you have to step up and you get a little bit more out of some guys for a little bit of a time. And, you know, not sustainable. You need good offensive players. And obviously Barzal is, you know, among the handful of best players at taking the puck from one end and skating it to the other, which, you know, helps everyone out. So long-term you want to have them in there, but they've got a nice little push. And I really, you know... I don't want to beat the whole veteran thing too much uh, to a pulp, but like this is a crucial time. They've come up against big games and you know, those, the, the two times that they beat Pittsburgh, you know, they, those are pivotal games and they've shown that like when they have these moments where, okay, we kind of need one here. They've been able to find it. There's, you know, they're a frustrating group because you watch how good the aisles can look, you know, when they need to. And then sometimes it's, it's, it hasn't been there throughout the season, but as of late it has been. And, you know, you add Barzal to the mix. I know him and uh, Horvat were starting to find a little chemistry. Hopefully they can find a few more goals because that's, that's all it takes for this team is can they put the puck in the net enough. Yeah, no question about it. And, and just before you came on, we were talking about how the Islanders have been finding production kind of through the middle of the lineup, right? Maybe the guys in the, the middle to bottom six. And one of those guys is Pierre Engvall, who's, who's suddenly kind of found his stride with the Islanders. Uh, does he have the potential to maybe play a bigger role with the Islanders now that he's maybe not, I don't know, tucked behind all those stars in, in, in Toronto like Austin Matthews and, and John Tavares. Now, I'm not, I'm certainly not alluding to the fact that he's going to reach any level near those guys, but does yeah. he have the potential to maybe be a bigger producer for this New York Islanders team, especially when they need the scoring that you're talking about? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a really curious question because you're right. In Toronto, they basically said to him, and I, I was with the Marlies when he was kind of coming up, which, you know, the, the Leafs farm team, and they basically said to him, if you want to play for the Leafs, you're going to kill penalties. You got to get the puck in deep and you got to do the right things. And he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't bang for his size. He's not a big physical guy, but you know, he, he does a lot of things that help your team play on the right end of the rink. And he hasn't been given any offensive opportunity, like no power play time, no elite line mates, never tried in the top six with the best guys. So I don't really know, like he can skate. He's huge. He can shoot it. And he's been given no opportunity. So, yeah, it seems like a candidate who could do it, but every time in, in Toronto would go well for a while, he just, like, kind of turns his brain off, and it was like, come on, we know it's in there. So we'll see how long he can, you know, with more opportunity, if maybe he can find a consistent way to contribute. So speaking of your time with the Marlies, uh, before we get into uh, some of the uh, uh, tougher, uh, more challenging aspects of your incredible book, memoir, your story down and back, uh, on somewhat of a lighter note, you have in in a in the course of a span of about one page probably more insight 
into Lou Lamorella with two things, one very positive regarding per diem and one a little off the rails a little bit about a, a subject we talk about a lot here about being clean shaven. Uh, that is more than is, is said, usually said about him because everybody else around Lou is like in the game, whereas you're a media person. I was wondering for our audience, since it is in the book and I'm not going to give away the other 300 pages, uh, <laughs> but can you share your experience with Lou? Yeah, yeah. Well, my one of my first ones was uh, so I'm the AHL video coach, which is literally you're. I'm a nobody in the organization. The uh, Leafs uh, coaching staff was at the Ca- Team Canada at the World Cup, so it was our staff was with the Toronto Maple Leafs in training camp. We were playing the Buffalo Sabers. I had like three or four days growth, and it was the day before we were going to be have get two weeks off before like between our camp, and so I wanted to let it grow. I prefer to have a beard. And I, I walked in that day and DJ Smith was like, you out of your mind? He was the assistant coach. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Lou is going to kill you when he sees that beard. And I was like, I'm the AHL video coach. I'm going to go huddle in the corner and he won't even think, you know, think of me for one second. Lou walked in and he looks around the room, looks at me and he goes, can someone lend me five effing dollars so I can buy this guy a goddamn razor blade to shave his face? <laughs> and I kind of laughed and he walked up to me. He said, don't you laugh. And he got right up towards me, like slow walking. I'm six two. What's Lou? Five eight? <laughs> you know, like he's looking up at me, and I was terrified of this like 70-some-year-old man who I was towering over. But he just has this way about him. Like he means business. And to his credit, when you hold everyone accountable like that, everyone knows he means it and behaves. So, you know, maybe there's something to it. It seemed like absolute insanity to me, but I get the idea of what Lou's trying to do. And on the positive side, there was the per diem that you noted. That was, uh, you know, yeah. something that, you know, yeah. again, it's another, you know, there are good things said about him. There are tougher things said about him, including by me on this show. Uh, but I but I liked what you said about the per diem, per diem because it, it said a lot. As somebody who occasionally got those on, envelopes when I got on the Islanders plane, I know how much of a difference that can make in someone's life like it did you. So can you talk about that, please? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Lou had a policy that, like, he wanted everyone in the organization to be treated like, you know, it was the NHL. And that was part of what should draw good people to the organization is, yeah, you may spend some time in the American League, but, you know, we didn't share rooms in the minors. You know, we all had our own. I had a king bed in my own room as the AHL video coach. We got NHL per diem. We got taken out to nice meals. Like, you know, of all the ways that Lou expects everyone to fall in line, he takes care of you. You know, and that's, it does breed a level of uh, commitment, I guess, loyalty, you know, like those were good times. And I felt that, you know, towards the organization who, you know, even though I thought of myself as this, nobody didn't treat me like one. So it's not so bad working your way up through the system and it gives you a chance to, to have success too. So yeah, Lou, he's, you know, he's been around a few, uh, a few times. He knows what he's doing with developing people. So it's an amazing book, uh, down and back. I said down and out. Never mind. You made it back. By the way, did, I mean, how, many, how much were you tempted to call it like reborn or something like that? Like, <laughs> you know, you was, know that it was on the. the you know, you wrote no that down book. somewhere. What was that? <laughs> the born books ruined me. The one thing was in. I, st- I literally today 
at Sportsnet there on my stall, like in my wardrobe change, it says Jason Bourne because people still, the books have ruined people. That's so, funny. yeah, I stayed away from Bourne puns. Has it been, you know, you have your own show and the podcast great with, with Real Kipper and all the work you do on Sportsnet and, and Hockey Night in Canada, your dream came true, your goal, you called it. Uh, but has is it tough to talk about the book? Is, I know it was tough to write it, but is it tough when you've, when you've uh, gone on to do interviews like this to talk about it? No, it's really not like it's um, I'm in such a good place in my life and I'm fortunate for that, um, that it's a positive story and one that I'm proud to have come through. Um, so, yeah, no, it's to be honest, it's one of my favorite parts of work in life right now is having these sort of discussions and, um, you know, sharing my experience with other people who are going through similar things. And I've heard from a lot of those people. And that to me has been the most meaningful part of it all. I actually don't want to give it away. Uh, so I won't ask you to recount it in any way, but I will say to the listeners out there and the people watching us live right now, that the first chapter, uh, which is a story about Justin and his dad and a Stanley cup ring, is just absolutely extraordinary. It's Shakespearean. It's whatever uh, favorite literature uh, author you want to call it. Uh, it, it and then, so get the book and read that chapter. It's long and it's worth it all. It's worth the price of admission right there. And then your relationship with dad, the great Bob Bourne a dynasty member, four time Stanley cup winner with the Islanders is so up and down that to the very last page, I don't know where it's going. Uh, but I was wondering if just literally right now at eight twenty six on Sunday in March, yeah. uh, how's your dad and how are you both doing? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the question. And and he's good and we're good. You know, it's um, when the book came out, you know, you mentioned the first chapter. That's a hard chapter to read if you're my dad, right? Like it's, you know, contains some sort of hard truths in there. Um, but to his credit, he could have handled the book, uh, you know, one of two ways, which is basically go tell me to kick rocks and see you later or, you know, you know, feel, feel, uh, I guess, what I was trying to get across and reach out and, and work on things. And that was the way he chose to handle it. You know, I, he, you know, kind of was apologetic after having read the whole book um, about certain things that maybe he just didn't understand and, um, you know, wanted to kind of reach out and see, he wants to see the kids more and we're going to go home to Kelowna and we'll visit with them and, you know, hopefully keep him a part of the kid's life. Cause there was a time there where if you'd asked me, I'd be like, I don't think that's likely. I do think it's likely and I'm hopeful and you know, that's what else I is the best outcome I could have hoped for from the book was that he was taken would take it the way he did and support it. And he's done nothing but that. So I'm, I'm proud of that and proud of him for doing that. That's fantastic, Justin. And, and obviously this book is a very personal account and, and I guess to get into your head a little bit, you know, when you sit down, and you decide to to share these stories so publicly, right? Because you know, so you know, maybe a, a personal account like this, a lot of people out there would want to keep that stuff to themselves, right? Or with you know, within the family or whatever it is. And so, what kind of made you decide to say, "Hey, this is a story I feel like I want to share with the world and want to get out there so that people can kind of get an insight on what it was like to to live that life?" Yeah, you know, my initial thought was that I wanted to write a hockey book, and I do have a whole wealth of experience in that regard, and so I wanted to touch on a lot of like the major cultural issues along the way so whether that's partying and, and my own experience with drinking and alcohol and training camps and getting cut and all these different elements I wanted to hit on them all so it kind of only made sense to use my own chronology my own timeline to tell these stories as they came up in my life but then you can't tell my story without 
dad, right? Like if, if you're in hockey, that's, you don't know my name without knowing his. It's such a part of my life that, you know, if I wrote it and didn't mention my dad, people would be like, did, did you maybe miss something here? So right. um, I found that as I wrote and submitted work to Penguin, uh, they'd be like, where was your dad in all this? And I'd be like, I don't, I don't really know, you know, like, or, you know, maybe that's something I need to think more about or look more into this. And um, I would say the initial intent wasn't to write some sort of like family tell all. It's just that I can't tell my story without talking about my family. And so I talked right. with my dad and kind of got his permission. He's comfortable sharing, you know, that he'd been to rehab a few times for um, alcohol abuse. And uh, yeah, in, in the end, I, I think we're all happier having who we really are out there and being able to help other people who are going through similar things. That's great. Well, I have to say, Justin, uh, I, I, I gotta say that, um, you know, you're between you and Brianna's family, the Gillies family, the Bourne family, the most underrated member of your family. And I've known about her like my whole life, but we, I've never had the pleasure of meeting. And that's your mom, Janice, who I've always yeah. heard such incredible things about. And if you read the book, you could even read between the lines uh, by some of the things, maybe even that you don't say and, 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 and everything that she's done for your family. So uh, uh, please give her a hug for me and tell her everybody on Long Island says hello. Okay. And then, and then, you know, Clark Gillies, right? We all had the pleasure, your father-in-law, we had the pleasure of watching this guy, premier power forward of his generation, Hall of Famer, four Stanley Cup winner. But as it, as it turns out, as you see in the book, uh, his daughter, Brianna, is every bit as tough as him, wouldn't you say? I think that's a great assessment. Um, yeah, when I, uh, when I first got to treatment, you know, she had written me, uh, a nice note, which I assure you, everyone does not show up at rehab with a nice note from their wife. You said uh, yeah, hard on the, on the envelope, right? Yeah, that's right. And you know, in that note that she mentions, um, you know, like her dad, you know, she's a fighter too. And yeah. Um, to say, <laughs> take your so time. I'm, we understand. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, no, we understand. Uh, remarkable. And, and your whole story of how you met is just incredible. I, I say I was thinking when I read the first chapter that somebody, maybe one of those networks in Canada could do a could do a series just or, or a show just on that one uh, on that one chapter. But the whole uh, story of you and Brianna is really amazing. And it's great to say, hey, I want to I want to read something. It's a paragraph from your book. Um, yeah. And uh, this is the other thing. So this hits me this afternoon. Because I actually thought I wasn't going to make it to the end, you son of a gun. It's so damn intense. <laughs> and uh, it says on this particular date, I rolled my Marley's branded suitcase out through the wooden, wide wooden door of Renaissance, uh, which was the uh, rehab or uh, you know c- center where you went to to uh, try to get healed and onto the front porch and the world was hardly waiting. Life had sped on. My, my personal goals were tucked in my back pocket, healing my relationships with my family, getting physically healthy and my career, a lofty one getting on hockey night in Canada. Congrats. Um, I was left to figure out how to get the world to include me once again, but this time in a positive way. Uh, that was in 2019. Do you know what the date was? Uh, yes, it was March 19th, four right. years ago today, isn't it? That's a great catch. <laughs> Unbelievable, huh? So, um, it is a, yeah, 
That is unbelievable. And I would say it, it's. And by the way, when I asked you to do the damn show, I had no idea. It was four years. <laughs> you walked out. I'm, you know, not that good. Well, um, I can tell you, these are happier times than uh, than even you know every day before that date. So, so I appreciate you having me. This is awesome. Uh, my last thing then is what is for, for anybody out there watching, listening, and, and no two things are the same. You talk about that a lot in this yeah. book, that your alcoholism is a different thing uh, than, than maybe somebody else's. But for anybody who's got struggles with any kind of um, abuse like that, what, what would be your advice to them or what are your words of yeah. wisdom? You know, I think the advice is to not wait for something terrible to happen. You know, you get to make the choice about ro what rock bottom is for you. And sometimes that can just be a certain feeling of shame or a feeling of like you've had enough. And for me, you know, I was this close to real trouble, but I didn't, you know, get divorced, get a DUI, go to jail, hurt someone, do anything, you know, tragic, but it was coming. And I was fortunate that I had the support I did that I was able to pull out before, you know, running head on into one of those things. And I just think that that's, it's a choice. You get to choose rock bottom. And um, I would, I would encourage people to recognize that now's as good a time as any to call it, call it good. Well, Justin, uh, outstanding stuff. Pleasure having you back on the show. Appreciate you sharing all that with us. And uh, before we let you go, can you just tell everybody where we can find the book? Yeah, I think I'm supposed to say cliche that it's available anywhere good books are sold, but it is Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Indigo, all those uh, generic places you can find it. I got it off Amazon and uh, fair price, like I said, <laughs> well, well Perfect. worth I'm it. I'm glad to hear it. Well, thanks for, for helping me promote that aspect of it and getting a chat about the Islanders too, guys. Thanks, bud. Good Absolutely. luck. Have Good it. luck the rest of the way, the rest of the season to you and Kipper and every there. You guys have a great job. Do a great job. Congrats on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. Maybe we'll we'll chat again during Isles playoffs. How about that? Best Sounds to your family. To best to the Gillies too, okay? All right. Thanks so much. Thanks Take care, that. Justin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Justin Bourne of Sportsnet and the author of the brand new book, Down and Back on Alcohol, Family, and Life in Hockey. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's some tough choice, huh, sitting down and, and, and writing a book like that and kind of just – kind of sharing all that about all that about yourself you know yeah when i read the first chapter i was like oh i wonder what bob's thinking yeah and uh, so apparently he told them before he published like this is something i'm going to do and he was okay with it uh and then there's some peaks and valleys along the way but at the end they're in good terms and they and they still are and, and that's good bob's been through a lot as we always you know the post-hockey career uh, especially for the players in previous generations where the salaries weren't so steep or maybe a lot more challenging than people realize. So our best to Bob, who's always a terrific guy as well. And uh, I'm not going to totally go through it, but like, you know how Justin wound up reconnecting with Brianna. Do you know that story? I don't. Uh, so, all right, just briefly, I'll just tell it to you. I actually think there's probably some people who heard it, but this is a, this is actually a, a really amazing okay. love story. Okay. The Bournes and Gillies live next door to each other when the guys played. Mm-hmm. Justin is a little kid. Brianna Gillies is a little kid. Yeah. There's pictures of them. In fact, there's a picture of them in a book at like a celebrity softball game, mm -hmm. and Tony Danza has his arms around them. Oh, yeah. So they're like childhood friends. Then they don't see each other mm -hmm. for like 20 years. Then we have a Bob Bourne uh, Islanders Hall of Fame night, mm -hmm. and Bob Bourne was the first inductee, and we invited the family. 
Justin calls me. We don't really know each other at the yeah. time. He's playing for Alaska Anchorage. He says, can you make this two weeks later so I can go on Thanksgiving break or something like that? Yeah. He does. Clark tells him, you're not staying at the Marriott. You're staying with us. So mm-hmm. Justin and Bob go to Gilly. So Brianna opens the door. They haven't seen each other in 20 years. Basically been together ever since. Wow. How about that? All because of the darn Islanders Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah. Wow. That's Maybe. some story. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's time to break. So before we do that, Chris, and then, why don't you... And then he wonders why we always go longer than I... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Sean, let's let's try to keep it to an hour tonight. Okay, Chris. Sure. All right, <laughs> no I'll problem. I'll tell an eight-minute story. <laughs> right. All right. Well, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Main Street Board Game Cafe, and then we'll break for the next segment. You got it. Say something for about another 10 seconds. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, I like the fact that Justin uh, likes the Islanders in this little wild card race. And rightfully so. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's reason to feel good about them. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington on Long Island's North Sure, games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you, from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? The Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. By the way, I was when you were interviewing Justin before, I was like, Sean's got a got a good radio voice. Hey, thanks, Chris. Like, did you did you ever think you'd get it? like like at <laughs> one point were you ever on in the uh, go make a run at that earlier? I mean, uh, obviously, you are now. You're very successful now, but when. You- <laughs> <laughs> uh no no um i mean i i did sing in bands for a while so maybe that has something a little ah, something to do with it ah, yeah really? yeah so i've been behind the microphone for a long ah. time uh actually funny yeah. enough i did some um some like work for like jingles and stuff like that in the past too really yeah 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 we, we can get into that another time but, jingles uh, as in singing or jingles as yeah in, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> like really? silly commercials and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. so there, there's that? a little experience I know your brother's pretty good. He's all right. Sells out the frickin' Paramount. That's pretty good. Yeah, playing other people's music. I mean, how hard is that? I know. (laughs) Your brother's brother's in a band that does Kenny Chesney and Jimmy Buffett. And then they seem to add Zach Brown somewhere along the way. He likes to mix it up. And uh, what a... They boy, they they just they know what they're doing. No, they they do a great job. They put on a great show. Playing the Paramount again. They could probably play it out. They could probably sell it out once a month. Yeah, yeah, and they just might start doing that. We'll see. But but thanks for the compliment, Chris. Appreciate yeah, I didn't mean to make this about your brother. I'm back back to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, in any case, folks, we want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night ny and your favorite podcast providers. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. 
If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at LostFarmerBrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, folks. We're going to look ahead and see what the Islanders are doing this week. So Tuesday, the Toronto Maple Leafs come into town. Isles versus the Leafs. Islander fans always get up for that one. And it's a big one. Toronto's uh, you know, one of the top teams there in the Atlantic Division. It's going to be a tough one. Probably the toughest game of the upcoming games this week. And then Friday, they have a couple, couple days off. They go into Columbus to play the basement-dwelling Columbus Blue Jackets. And then Saturday, they play the Buffalo Sabres, who once again got trounced today, 7 to nothing. That is a 5 p.m. start at UBS Arena on Saturday. So there's your three games on tap. Chris Botta, what say you? Well, a couple of important things to note is that even though they play Buffalo on the second game of a back-to-back, Buffalo plays in New Jersey. Uh, play, plays at home against New Jersey the night before. Okay. So the teams are on equal ground there. Another thing worth noting is just as, as the Islanders have that game in Columbus, you know, Buffalo had a, a similar type game mm. where they went to Philadelphia. And, and that goes again back to the point of, and I don't mean to pick on the Sabres, but, but mm. you, all the teams below them too are in this category too. And yes, I get it. The Islanders got trounced in Boston that one game, mm-hmm. like the one right. stinker of the last two or three weeks, right? But but they Buffalo goes to Philadelphia and loses five one. I think it was the final of five two. Right, uh, just not good coaching, not good. <laughs> you know, and I say I actually am saying this as a way to not to blow too much smoke up this current Islanders team's butt, mm-hmm. but it's just a reminder of what we do have here, which is an experienced team. Yes, that you know they are built for this thing. So we will see if they could finish it up. Uh, the Toronto game. I don't know what that, I, I, I do know Islander fans who do are starting to not like this game. It feels sometimes like the Rangers where the Islanders play the least better on the road sometimes mm-hmm. than they yeah. do at home. Yeah. So like I've seen tweets from fans saying, well that, you know, they better get the Swan in San Jose cause I don't like their chances Tuesday. Uh, they'll be well rested. So will Toronto. Yeah. What say sure. you? What says me? Well, I think there is something to be said about the the teams that are out of it with nothing to lose, kind of playing loose, and that's why you're seeing results like that, where Philadelphia beating a team that's you know fighting for a wild card spot, and maybe the Islanders have a hard time with the Blue Jackets on Friday because they're playing loose too, and you know they still have weapons like Johnny Gaudreau over there, even though it's a it's a tire fire over there. Yep. But you know, any on any given night, these teams can show up and surprise you. I mean, look, you look at the game against the Ducks. Twenty five seconds in, you go down one nothing. You're like, oh boy. We're in for a long one here, and thankfully they turn it around. But which is which is why it does speak to the experience that yourself and, and Justin were talking about is that this team knows what they got to do to get in, yeah. and that's an advantage that they have. Yeah, that Sharks game is kind of the template, and I, it, it, that's what they're going to have to do in Columbus too. I, again, I don't know the Sharks really. I was like, you know, Meyer's not there anymore, but they were still they were they were loose, they were fast. And there were a couple of times where I just thought, you know, the Islanders better hold on here or this could. And then they, uh, Parisi, of course, uh, from your guy Romanov, uh, gets the key goal. It's like the Islanders just kind of held them off. Right. 
got the goalie, but then they go down there and score. And I, you know, they're going to need more things like that in these games, like at Columbus. So with these three games ahead, are we going to go with the uh, the meatloaf method here? And two out of three ain't bad. Four out of six points. I mean, now, now I believe the way this is stacking up, that would be good enough. Um, but that means, but that means they're going to. If you, if you, if you, if that happens, that means their chances are they're going to lose one of those home games. So I got to think this through. But for <laughs> you can get back. To the me. last two weeks, I would have said five out of six points are what's needed. Four right now would be good enough in these in these next uh, these next three games. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think look, obviously you try to get all six, but I think you you can accept the loss to the Leafs as long as you take care of business against those other two teams later in the week. And what's interesting is they're going to have those couple of days off. I imagine maybe one of those games in hand for for Pittsburgh and, and Florida ends up you know coming off the board. I'm not sure. Again, I didn't look ahead at the schedule. But they do get a couple of nights off. They get to rest a little bit. Maybe, you know, that affords Sebastian Ajo to get healthy and maybe come, even if he's not in Tuesday, he can come back later on in the week. We're still waiting on word on that injury. But because, I mean, look, I don't know if if a guy like Samuel Balduke or Parker Watherspoon are ready to kind of slot in here and and help out. So you're going to see maybe even Noah Dobson's minutes go down you know, kind of by um, kind of by extension, if he was still going to be paired up with Aho, although he was playing with Pellick, so we'll we'll see what they do. But but uh, hopefully Aho uh, can use those days off to get some rest. Florida has is at Philly on Tuesday, and then home to Toronto on Thursday. Okay, those are their next two games. Okay, uh, let's see if we can go one more, and then of course it's so funny. It just it seems like every runs everything runs parallel, and then on Saturday. They host the Rangers, which is usually a Rangers home game in Florida. Gotta say, been finding myself rooting for the Rangers a lot lately. Yeah. I mean, either way, <laughs> uh, hate to say it, but you know, yeah, no, the Rangers are now comfortably in, so it's okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think so, but I mean, do you think that they're not they're not going to take the foot off the gas though yet, right? I mean, it's a little too they early for that. They haven't. Sort of thing, they, right? they, I don't know if you know, but on Sunday night they scored on five consecutive shots where you were setting up the show, and I don't do any work. I just roll in here around seven fifty. <laughs> uh, they scored. Did on, you want to admit it? <laughs> they, 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 I, I openly admit uh, they scored on five straight shots against Nashville and took a six nothing lead in the oh, first wow. period. Yes. Yeah, that I did not know. I mean, Nashville is struggling, and they're without their top defensemen, but the Rangers, are they're doing their part. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, folks, that's what's on tap, and now we're going to go right in to Hero of the Week. So, folks, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli half Price Hero, which this week is the Hockey Night in New York, featuring delicious grilled chicken, buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, and avocado in a wrap. Stop on in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location. Mention Hockey Night in New York for half off. And with that, Christopher Bada, who is your hero of the week? Easy choice for me. It's Kyle Palmieri, who I'm sure I've never picked as a hero of the week yet. Uh, because when he's had his good weeks, I probably w- wasn't involved with the show or, you know, uh, or somebody else was doing the show. But big respect to Kyle from Long Island. Uh, he's, uh, you know, an up and down career with the Islanders, very much so. But on the bright side, I think I believe he's come up large, not just in his scoring, but his all around play. The giddy up is there. The want is there. Uh, responsibly, defensively, he's done it all. And another thing that bodes well, again, this is, I, I get it, it's in the wishful thinking category, and Justin Bourne alluded to this too, but he's proven to be somewhat of a big game guy. Like, he yes. was very good for the Islanders in the playoffs. Yes. Like, 
he 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 got it was a two goals in eighteen regular season games after they got him, and then right. something like seven, eight, or nine in the playoffs. So, uh, and he strikes me as a, as a clutch guy. So that is a, another positive. He's like one of those guys who a couple weeks ago you wouldn't be thinking about him mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Now it's like, all right, we could roll with this guy. So big respect to Palmieri because it's not easy to overcome uh, when you're slumping like that and people are counting you off, counting you out, and you're battling injuries. But you know, really impressive. So well done, Kyle Palmieri. I think that's a great choice, and, and you bring up a good point about you know maybe his struggles in the regular season, but he has shined in in big pressure games and in the playoffs, and and hopefully if and when they get there, we'll see more of that from him. But you know, like y- you do have some fans that I've spoken to and, and talked to, and like, oh, we kind of we kind of lost that trade off with Palmieri and Everly, huh? It'd be nice to have Everly still on the team, right? Because he has struggled a bit during the regular season, but you know, if they get to the dance, I think you know maybe that's a maybe a notion that those fans maybe start to forget if he does perform the way he has. Yeah, if they if they get in this spot and we get to show a couple weeks or now and you say who would I want, Airbully or Palmieri? I, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with going with Palmieri to that dance. Who is your Who is your hero of the week, Sean? Well, I'm uh, I'm sticking with the new guy. Pierre Engvall was singing his praises earlier in the show, and I'm sticking with him now. He is once again unleashed on Long Island after living in the shadows up in Toronto, going 2-2-4 on the trip, and settling in nicely with Kyle Palmieri and Brock Nelson on that second line. So listen, again, I'm not expecting the world out of this guy, but it's nice to have a little fun, right? Five points in the seven games that he's been here, and, and if he can be a surprise bright spot, especially while we still wait for Matt Barzell to come back, and he kind of helps everybody else pull on the rope, carry the load, you know, with Andrews Lee scoring goals, Brock Nelson, Paul Mary, J.G. Pajot, and they can kind of keep winning by, by committee, and he, you know, kind of continues to gel with the team and helps out with that. I think it's great stuff. So, Pierre Engvall. One of the questions about Engvall seemed to be, like, is this question as to whether he has that fire, right? Yeah. Well, and what we don't know is whether he's, if he's always had this fire to be more than he is. Mm-hmm. To hear Justin tell tell it, and uh, and let's face it, Justin Bourne's not only in Toronto, but Justin Bourne was a, a coach with the Toronto Marlies when Engvall was there. So when he talks about what they told Pierre in terms of this is what we're looking for yeah. for you, like they're, you're setting these uh, almost limitations on him. This is, You do this, we'll be happy. Well, if, he, if, if Pierre Engvall is somebody who always said to himself, I want more, I need more, well, what more can you ask for? So he's starting to take advantage of it. He's playing for a contract. He's going to get paid no matter what, somehow sure. or the other, by sure. somebody. But if he wants to get a little more and get more responsibility, the opportunity is there for him. Without a doubt, and even more so in the sense that there is a certain someone who's making $5 million right now who isn't getting into the lineup. Yes. I assume you're talking about Josh Bailey. I am. Yeah. Um, listen, hey, I don't even know what to say about Josh <laughs> anymore because it, almost, it gets to a point where then it almost feels like unfair, right? Mm. Good Islander. Um, uh, so th- over a thousand games, class guy. Right. When somebody gets hurt, he'll be the next one back in it. Mm. You can't sit here and rule out that he's not going to have at least one more good moment before this season's over, sure. whether it's the regular season or postseason. So, uh, you know, you just root for the best. He is a he's a class pro, and I don't just mean that in the category like good guy. He's somebody who will stay ready uh, when he's called upon. But I give the coach. Uh, credit and Lou and everybody else it, you know he is the odd man out right now not an easy decision to make but they also know that when he gets back in it'll probably give him something because he almost always does he's gonna get back in and, and we have said on the show 
multiple times that he's been a playoff performer for this team too. And and I would not be shocked at all if and when they get into the playoffs, he's dressing for game one because he has that experience. So we'll see if and when we get there. Mm-hmm. He's out of the lineup now. Guys like Engvall is, is playing well. Obviously, the coaching staff likes what they see out of Holmstrom because he's still in there. So look, they're moving on. They're, they're, they're playing well. So, you know, why mess with a good thing? So hopefully they continue that. But that will do it for Hero of the Week. Kyle Palmieri and Pierre Engvall are your Heroes of the Week. Remember, if you stop on in to the Huntington location of Blue Line Deli and Bagels, mention Hockey Night in New York and get half off the Hockey Night in New York. So, Ed, Jay, yeah, how we doing, boys? You get half off. Half yeah. off, that's 50%. That's Just by that walking in. And mentioning us. Is there? Is, is, were they smart enough? So no offense, uh, Rouser family. Were were they smart enough to like put limited? Like, can I get ten of them half off? Can I? Get, that's you know, that's not for us to decide. I don't know. That's that's something for Donnie and, and staff. But over I mean, there. that's a that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, that's like a wholesale deal. Yeah, not bad, right? Well, yeah. look, they do great stuff over there. You know, Donnie loves the fans. He loves he loves the people coming in, the customers, and everything. They do a great job. So, to allow us to, you know, have a little sponsored segment here and give you fifty percent, help you get fifty percent off off of Sammy. I mean. Why not, right? Good deal. Yeah, yeah great good deal. stuff. We doing we doing questions brewing? Yeah. You know we are, Ed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for questions brewing. Brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. That's right, and we want to thank Lost Farmer for sponsoring this segment called Questions Brewing. So, Edzo, what do you got in the chat? Are we active? Oh, we're active. Excellent. Love yeah. to hear it. Especially Enzab tonight. Oh my God. He's oh got- yeah? He's, he, you know, he gave me a heads up on Twitter. He said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be talking. I was like, all right, cool. I mean, if no one else is stepping up, we got a lot of NZAB tonight. <laughs> Great. All right. <laughs> but we're going to start off with Mike. Good old Mike. Based on how players are performing and number of roster players, barring injury, does Bailey play another game the rest of the season? Sean just said yes. Funny yeah. you should ask. Yeah. Funny you should ask. He said he'll start in the play- game one of the playoffs. I think he gets in game one if they get there, and I think – whether it is by injury or maybe after a bad loss or something like that and, and Lane wants to change the lineup up, yeah, I think we're going to see at least one, probably two more games out of Josh Bailey, and I'm, and I'm betting low there. Keep in mind, we and it's possible I, I'll miss it, but like there there hasn't been any update about Matthew Barzal, right? It's mom has been the word. Right, so, yeah. you know, usually if I, and they've been away, right, and maybe this is the week where you start to find out is he even skating. Uh, nice so, to know. so yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't know if he's, it doesn't appear that he is close. So it's just something to keep in mind. Okay. What else you got? All right. We're starting off with NZAB here. When Barzy comes back, where do they slot him and who sits? Okay. This is great. Segway after segue here. So he's going to go back on the first line on Horvat's right wing, I would think. And I guess they'll keep Lee on the left flank. And as far as who comes out, Barring everybody else is healthy. I, I think I, I think actually this came up last week. Holmstrom. And I think Holmstrom is the guy that probably sits. I think he comes out because everybody kind of in the middle six down are, are all playing well, you know, from fashing on down to Engvall now. So I think Engvall is actually kind of earned him. So we, we, we kind of speculated about him last week. Maybe he's a guy that comes out, but I think he's looking pretty solid now. So Holmstrom would be the guy for me. Yeah, I'd say it's between Engvall and Holmstrom. And right now Engvall is blowing the doors off of Holmstrom. So Holmstrom's that middle middle guy right he might he's not as good on that bottom six he's not good enough to be in the top six so right. i agree that he's fighting for his spot here well i hope you're not tired of roster questions <laughs> next one is coming from tom boyle t boyle if aho is out do you see replacing him with bulldog or Wortherspoon? okay great so we mentioned that before and 
Listen, I haven't seen enough either out of either one of those guys to, to be able to say definitely Ball Duke or definitely Watherspoon. Well, if you're looking at it as somebody for a little more offense, mm-hmm. I'm asking you because I don't know. If you're looking at somebody who's a little more offense because that's what you lose with Ajo, even it's I think Ball Duke, right? Ball Duke showed a little flair, sure. Maybe give him another chance. But, like, l- listen, if, if the roster come out, comes out the next day, regardless of who Lane puts in there, I'm not getting upset either way. Like, oh, man, they're going to lose the next game because they went Wotherspoon over Balduk, right? Like, I just don't think there's enough disparity yet between the two of them. But, yeah, maybe I lean Balduk. It's prospects and all that whole scene. It's just, it's it's never not funny and interesting to me right. because when one thing that I like was, ne- I'm not saying, I'm not blaming anybody for not reporting it, but Balduk came up, did well, got a bunch of good press, and then he went down during the All-Star break. And all I could tell you is statistically mm-hmm. at Bridgeport, he then proceeded to be crap for like two games. Ah. Like after like, and it, I get it, right? You have your good games and your bad games right. and the AHL is tough. But it's just a reminder that like these, these are flawed players, right? right. So, uh, and I, so I, part of me also kind of, you know, wondered that like him going down, which he had to, I understand, right? Um, but does that, set you back a little bit so but you would think it would be public but but what i think is that the coach and the gm have are a little more comfortable with wilder spoon so it's a close call but it's uh it's hey ahu's come a long way right yes fans are and, 20 and point podcasters player. are mourning bemoaning mourning probably too, too hard hard a word <laughs> bemoaning his potential loss for a little while there Whereas a couple a year ago it was anybody can look somebody else going play? into this season we uh, didn't think he had a shot with with we thought Salo was going to be the correct, guy correct, what happened there correct Eddie what do you got that and Zab talking. again he asks do you tell Romanov to chill with some of the big hits <laughs> as every time he gets jumped and we lose him for two minutes do you uh, think the do you think the NHL should take a look at situations like that maybe adding a penalty to a guy who jumps a clean hit or something more harsh. Yeah, that's come up. Uh, somebody mentioned it lately because uh, in, in another game that happened and then that yes. guy got jumped. And mm-hmm. Yeah, we ranted heard. about this. Yeah, so uh, I think the NHL will be looking at that, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Romanov has to keep playing his game. No, do yeah, not shy away. Yeah, but I don't have a problem with his game. No. Absolutely not. I don't have a problem not. with the hitting part. Yeah, you, keep, you keep, keep knocking guys into the boards, onto the ice, but I do think the league has to – you know, maybe I, I don't know what the exact solution is, but maybe there's some sort of retaliation sort of penalty that kind of, you know, um, I suppose encourages these players to let those big hits go because we said it when we had this rant about it. Like there was a time where if you got your clock cleaned, you got back up and you got back into the game and nobody was making you pay for it because it was a clean damn hit. Now, if it's dirty, if it's an elbow, if it's a headshot, yeah, absolutely fair game. Defend your player. But every time a guy, you know, gets caught with his head down or just gets rocked, you know, trying to come through the zone, I don't. I just think it's silly. All the all this retaliation. It's just. It's not for me. Agreed. Before we go back to what's this fellow's name asking the questions? Eng? And Zab. And I believe that. Is was. there anyone else who N-Zab has any 09. questions? Yes. Okay, uh, well, cool. Trotty A nineteen hey. related to Romanov. How great is watching Romanov grow <laughs> up before our eyes? Well, I don't go that far, but Sean was Sean gave him a big. Big pat on the back with a tweet uh, last night, I think it was. So yes, I'll yes. I'll let you answer that. Yeah. I, mean, I just think he's okay. I don't think <laughs> he's, I don't know what to tell you. Look, I don't, I don't think he's established himself as a, uh, as a top player for this team yet or anything like that. I think he still has to earn that 
first round draft pick that he was traded for. But I do I do still recognize the fact that he's young. Just like I think he's still only twenty two. I think his his the offensive side of uh, of the game is coming along. I don't expect him to be a power play quarterback or anything like that. But I kind of envisioned this whole you know Vladimir Molokov Darius Kasparaitis pairing with him and Noah Dobson. And I think I think he's he, maybe he's not coming along as quickly as we'd like to. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to develop into a uh, a more well-rounded defenseman. But I do like the physical style. I do like the fact that opposing forwards entering the zone do have to keep their heads up and they do have to kind of think twice about what you know how they're going to approach it. And he makes them pay. And and I honestly like. I think that's going to pay dividends in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs. Agreed again. I'm enjoying watching Ed look at the questions. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're intrigued by what to ask next, or yeah. Well, I. And by I the way, mean, if it, in all fairness to Enzeb, he's got a lot, but I'm trying to yeah. get other people in there if I can. I'd okay. say we got time for like three total. Okay, max, right? Three's, yeah, three's, three's, three's a great so number. It's a magic your, number. Use your judgment. Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna go back to Tom Boyle here. Okay, what is with the early turnaround? This is the second time this season. The early turnaround? Yeah. Does that even mean? I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure what that means. Yeah, I don't think we're getting that one. Maybe if Tom can explain himself, but unless, I'm not sure. unless he means like you posting the show pretty soon after I leave here. No, I don't think I so. You did a turnaround of the podcast. I'm not sure. I thought I'm maybe you sure. you said something we, about it. We can get back to that if he uh, <laughs> if he explains <laughs> yeah. it a little better. Please, Tom, Tom, we need clarification. Yes, I thought you guys might have known what what, what, no. what an early, early turnaround, turnaround would be. I mean, I, I don't. This know. This was asked late into the show. So fair enough. Uh, hopefully he uh, hopefully he clarifies. What else you got? All right, we got Enzab. <laughs> wow. Welcome back. Are there any other teams that do not send their broadcast team on a, on certain trips? Hmm. The San Jose game, uh, Brendan and the gang were in New York. Yeah, well, what we know for sure now is the other, at least two other teams are, and it's the Rangers and the Devils. They said that MSG Network has done it. It's unfortunate. It's garbage. It's bullshit. It's everything. Now, we'll, uh, the one thing, the Lou Lamorello does not let the announcers on the team charter. Uh, and nobody else does that. So if you're the network or whoever is responsible for paying for this, you're you're you usually fly for free with the team, right? So when I was with the team, right, the like Howie mm-hmm. and Billy or Joe Micheletti, and mm-hmm. and plus our radio announcers flew with us, which only makes sense. It's mm-hmm. easier for right. them. It's a better lifestyle. Sure. It's completely crazy that there's this idea that they're not part of the team. Mm-hmm. There is a big part of the team. Uh, not only say is anyone, but they're they are very important. And if something was to happen on the plane, for example, right? Somebody got drunk, something happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, it's going to be off the record. There, they, there's an understanding with mm-hmm. that with everyone in the league. Yeah. So this idea that like, well, they're not part of the team. You know, the trainer goes, Kimber, the PR staff goes, whoever. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's so freaking ludicrous. It's that, um, it's 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 incredible. So to answer your question, they're not the only one, and perhaps there's other teams besides MSG Network. I think it's unfortunate. It's an unnecessary savings of several grand, but in the scheme of things, I don't see it as a difference maker, and I, I think it's a loss. But right, Tom clarified himself. He did. He, he meant uh, to say back to back games. So the seven p.m. start, then a five p.m. start. That's ah. the second time. Yeah, it gotcha. happens from time to time. The Allers used to play five o'clock games on Saturday at home back when they played day games or earlier games, uh, and it, it, it's not uncommon. I think it's crazy. Um, 
If I was commissioner of the NHL, the the season, regular season, would be at least 12 games shorter, and I would try to have as few back-to-back games as possible. I think it hurts the quality of the game. Um, I'll tell a quick story. If I haven't said it before, I'll try to bring it in under 30 seconds. A long, <laughs> long time ago when Gary Bettman was in his early days as commissioner of the NHL, he flew home with us. Yes, I'm telling a story from the charter, but it's not such a bad one. Um, he flew home with us from a game in Tampa Bay. He was in Tampa Bay to drop a puck, to do some media, whatever was going on, and he asked if he could fly home with us because he lives in New York. So, of course, Milbury said yes. We're on the plane. It's a 7.30 game. The guys are wearing ice bags. They're taped. You know, like the usual drill, right? The rough game, whatever. And uh, we're just shooting the shit, like Milbury and Bettman and whoever's sitting toward the front, and I'm there. And uh, and Bettman says, so when's your next game? And, and Mike, Mike goes, tomorrow. And Gary goes, no, really, when's your next ah. game? And he goes, tomorrow. And he's like, and like, you know, it like hit, it, I think it hit home for him. that like, this is not easy. You're in Florida. Right. right. And by the way, not coal mine, you know, usual thing, right? They're not coal mining. They're playing hockey. They make a lot of money, right? right. But you play a game at 7.30 in Tampa and you, you, you're sore and you're, and they fly home in three hours. Mm. They fly well, commercial, get in their cars, drive home half an hour later. And then they get up and they do it all again the next yeah. day. It's I don't know how you feel after your games when you play, but I, can you, probably a little more sore than they do. Yeah, and especially the guys playing twenty eight minutes and things like that. So like right. a coin and those. So anyway, uh, yeah, the games come uh, real quick. The five o'clock thing it happens from time to time. I don't think that hour makes a difference. I think sometimes the guys don't mind it because they if they have a five o'clock game they're not going to have any morning skate or even a meeting, so they just sleep in and they show up at the rink a few hours before the game. Yeah, and I'm sure it happens to every team fairly evenly, right? As long as that's the case, then you know it's fair as fair, I suppose. By the way, the Islanders had that afternoon game a couple of weeks ago against Detroit on twelve thirty, and they won. And I'm telling you. Like this is something I can tell you from my experience there. There, if you're you're a New York athlete and you win that game, and now you don't have another game for a few nights, and you're off on Saturday. So whether you're, it's with your family, mm. your wife, your girlfriend, just the guys going out, I, that's a great time. They, they. What I'm saying is the guys don't mind that afternoon game, and they really don't mind it when they get the two points, uh, because it's a it's a night to young again and go into new york city or go wherever the hell you want so um i wouldn't you know they should have more day games okay do you have one last one we could squeeze in yeah well we got from trottier 19 mm-hmm. what d-man did the islanders target over the summer aho sucks war the spoon <laughs> and bulldog aren't ready for prime time i don't even know if i'm ready for that question yet the honestly. organization doesn't think that aho sucks that's Probably we're getting, we're getting a lot of questions. Zeb had a question right prior to that about you know Aho. Like, is it time to move away from Aho? Like, well, again, I mean, we we didn't even think he was going to be yeah. part of the mix in the beginning of the season. Salo didn't step up to the plate. Aho kind of did. Is he a flawed defenseman? Absolutely. I I think he's also at the same time. I think he's also impressed us this year. You know, becoming a twenty point defenseman with you know eleven games to go. And I think there's some positives. He's definitely better. This is the best hockey he's played since he's started with the organization. But it's still a guy who whose minutes you want to shelter because he's prone to the odd mistake, mental mistake, you know, 
giveaway, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind upgrading his position over the summer if, you know, that player is out there. But but sitting here today on March 19th, I'm not sure who that defenseman is. When I say the organization likes him, not just even being like kind of a wise guy or whatever, mm. they, they had – it is not difficult to add a defenseman at the trade deadline, a competent NHL mm. defenseman. And the proof is that there were several of them. Right, Kulikov went for a third. True, I, I didn't get the sense that Lou Lamorella was losing sleep over there was somebody who got away or whatever, because he would have, if it made that much of a difference in his eyes and the coaching staff's mm-hmm. eyes, he would have paid the price for it. I'm not defending his lack of movement. I'm just trying to explain it. Mm-hmm. And and we talked about it in the post trade deadline show that the conversation was all right. Well, he's available. Well, are you going to play him over Aho? Again, I don't have an opinion on this because I'm not, I don't know enough about the game to be able to tell you that I think this guy is worse than this guy at that mm-hmm. level. Right? Mm-hmm. When we're talking about a third pair defenseman. Right. So I think he's a guy they are very comfortable with, they like, and I don't think he's going anywhere. I'm not saying he's going to be a fixture here for a long time, but mm-hmm. this idea that like he's done, no, it's not the, that's not the case. And, and uh, if he winds up sitting out some time, Lane Lambert will be asked a question at the morning skate on Tuesday. You know, what are you missing in Sebastian Ajo? And he'll tell you what he's, what he's missing and watch the clip. I'm not saying you should agree with him, but it'll be the head coach <laughs> of the freaking New York Islanders telling you what he thinks of Sebastian Ajo. Yeah, I think over this last two years including this year we've seen the most warts in the defense than we have in you know since the trot slash lambert era has has begun but dobson had his moments enough i'm sorry to catch off even against san jose that butch talked about mistakes he was making yeah oh yeah yeah no i'm including him in this in this discussion here is that as as much promise as Dobson has and as, as much as he's accomplished, especially on the offensive side of the puck, is that he's still figuring things out on the back end. And it and it's you know, it's cost him some costly goals against and and he guys like him and Aho gotta clean it up. Even even Mayfield is is struggled a little bit. I feel like he's been more solid in the past and and it could be a product of who he's been paired up with as well. Sometimes a defensive pairing is more the sum of its parts than it is any one individual. But, you know, yeah, we I think we've seen more leaks out of defense than we than we had, you know, when you go back to the squads, when you had Taves and when you had Letty and even Boychuk in the earlier parts of this tenure and stuff like that. And I think, you know, we're not in we're not in Brian Strait territory, you know, going back that far. But but yeah, I think, you know, that that's been one of the you know, and it's funny because they're still one of the better teams defensively overall in the NHL. But I suppose is. As Islander fans, knowing how good they have been recently on defense, this is probably the most leaks they've sprung, you know, since since the beginning of that. So yeah, I I definitely hear it. Uh, they could use some more, you know, solid defensive defensemen on the back end, or at least these guys to step up and play more defensively. And hopefully, because they're young, they get there. Otherwise, yeah, maybe Lou looks at it in the summer. So as I leave you, and I think you have Stefan next week Correct. hosting. Yes, you know. Maybe the the plot line now becomes: Do they really try to get that? I mean, of course, they want to win every game, but is the seventh spot now the goal? Uh, and a series against Carolina against somebody, you know? Hey, it's it's there. I mean, look, all the points you made about Pittsburgh maybe not being uh, as as real as we thought. It's there, and the point was made about Svechnikov not being there. Now, I don't really li- look. Listen, you're you're picking your poison between Boston and Carolina, but I don't I don't I know. Mean, 
Boston, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're both. They're, neither of them are. Are they're both suboptimal? Right. Where I'm going but, is the Islanders haven't historically matched up well against true, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. That's true. Yeah. So that's why I'm I saying it's pick your poison. Games. And but yeah, especially with Svechnikov out, like if you can make a push for that ho- that top wild card, you go for it. Uh, you know, anything above that is is completely you know out of the question now. And it's just you know last week we were kind last week we were kind of just like, hey, focus on getting in. Maybe now you get a little greedier because it seems like there's an opportunity there. Maybe if if Pittsburgh happens to lose, you know, at least one of those games in hand, you look at it a little more, and and Florida for that matter, you look at it a little more realistically and say, hey, these guys may be able to squeak into that top spot and make some noise against. Carolina, sure. Well, I look forward to being back with you. For the fans, I would say in two weeks, which I think is a Lost Farmer show, yes. if I'm asking you about bands that you might have been in, that's probably not a good... That means the, the, the two weeks didn't go well for the Islanders. <laughs> right. If that never comes Absolutely. up, that means we're talking playoffs. So, thanks, <laughs> everybody. All right, folks. Eddie Q, that music. We're going to wrap things up. So, folks, want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY and your favorite podcast providers. And a big... Big thanks to Justin Bourne of Sportsnet and author of Down and Back on Alcohol, Family, and Life in Hockey. Once again, you can get that wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else. A big, big thanks to our sponsors. Start a wig, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And as Chris mentioned, once again... Viewing party there on Sunday, April 2nd, 5 o'clock pregame show, 6 o'clock puck drop. It will be tons of fun. And a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check them out at mainstboardgamecafe.com. You can find Chris on Twitter at NHL. You can find myself at Hockey. You can follow the show at HockeyNightNY, at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. For Jay, for Ed, for Chris Botta, I'm Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. Have a great rest of your nights.